Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Hey, it's Scott, and welcome back to yet another episode of Spin Magazine's Lip Service. My next guest is the lead singer of one of the biggest Brit rock bands of all time. 100 million records sold, and now Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominees, Duran Duran. He is Simon Le Bon. It's been about 40 years plus since the band formed. Two Grammys, countless chart-topping records with incredible catalog of hits. We're going to talk about the 15th record, Future Past, the new record. And welcome to the show in just a moment, Mr. Simon LeBond. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Our show today is brought to you by the fine folks at Thursday's Boot Company. You guys have seen me rocking these boots in every other picture I have on Instagram. I'm always repping them. Thursday's Boots is a bootstrap startup that makes the best handcrafted boots and sells them direct to consumer at some of the lowest markups in the footwear industry. Thursday's Boots' tagline is highest quality, honest prices because they use some of the best materials like full grain leather, supple glove leather lining, and gold standard Goodyear welt construction. Thursday's Boot Company sells their boots at prices starting at just $149 with free shipping and returns. They've been featured in all the best fashion press, from Esquire to GQ to Cosmo and Vogue. More importantly, they've gotten over 20,000 five-star reviews from real customers. Thursday's boots are perfect for people who understand quality and don't want to pay a high retail markup for great-looking pair of boots that are built to last. So check them out, at Thursday's Boots on Instagram. My favorite shoes, my favorite boots. You always see me repping them. You'll love it. Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find the ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Scott, and welcome back to another episode of Spin Magazine's Live Service. I am sitting with the one and only Simon LeBond. Welcome. Hello. How are you Thanks doing, for Scott? coming. I'm doing great. <clears throat> Thanks for coming. Hello, hello North America hello. and South America <laughs> and the world, Spin Magazine, and all of your listeners. It's uh, LA's Viewers. a tricky place, by the way, right? So I'm mm-hmm. in, like driving all around. It's tricky. I'm a New Yorker. I'm still lost when I'm driving around. Oh, no. I, time, I, so. I, I drove around. I went to, to Burbank <laughs> instead of coming here, but that's probably my fault. Yeah, we were saying, because you were like, I'm on Olive. I'm like, I'm pretty sure Olive is in, He's in Burbank. downtown. So either way, I'm, I'm happy to have you here. Congrats on the fantastic new record, by the Thank way. Thank you. And the nomination, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, long overdue. I'm, I'm actually voting myself. I know you can vote as many times as you can. I'm voting, like, after this podcast, I'll be voting, like, a thousand times. Excellent. There, <laughs> so, there was a point, when I think, when we were leading the... Um, the, the 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 public vote well it's yourself it's eminem there's a bunch of I yeah think, i think kind of probably pat benatar maybe is she pat benatar of? pat benatar's yeah. up there um you know dolly parton's got some followers right right i felt a bit i mean fella Cootie's not doing that well on the um the public vote which is a shame because he's amazing yeah um although we're not going to meet him since he's a bit he's brown bread <laughs> But the Durannies are definitely out and, and making the calls because they definitely deserve <clears throat> to be in there. Yes. Sure. Um, I've got the entire family voting as well. Yeah. I was going to say, what does it mean, by the way, to be nominated for you for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I know it's a very um, American thing, but. Yeah, it's a, it's a, well, it's an American thing. It's a sort of, it's, it's, a, it, it, I remember when it first kind of came up, it just looked like a bunch of old geezers in suits kind of p- patting each other on the back. <clears throat> and I guess now I'm an old geezer in a suit. <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> ready to be, pat, you know, pat, pat people on the back and be patted on the back. Um, it is a badge of credibility, I think. Um, and maybe when you're sort of, you know, when, when you're first starting out, maybe you don't think that you're kind of in the same boat as all, as, as all the other geezers in it. But to actually be, no, honestly, to be in the same club uh, as the Rolling Stones, the Beatles, um, 
all those great artists. I mean, I can't even begin to list them. Um, I think it's makes sense now that we should we should um, have our name up there as well. The last time you were there, you were there actually nominating Roxy Music, I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I know they were a huge inspiration to you guys. So what was that like for you? Well, John and I had kind of, you know, we, we'd agreed to do it. And um, and it was an amazing event. I mean, the, it, so John had really written most of that, um, that uh, the induction speech that we made. Um, and I made a few tweaks to it. But I, I thought, I, I looked at his words and I thought, God, that is, that really yeah. does say it. I mean, he, he'd, he'd spent a lot of time working on that. And um, and it made so much sense, and it really brought back to me how I felt as a teenager listening to that band. You know, mm. it's amazing. I mean, you guys get along so well. Uh, Forty years, it's the yeah. 40th anniversary. Yeah, uh, and we're going to talk about the new record, and obviously your whole history. There's so much up going on. The NFT collection, obviously the 40th anniversary. Yeah, the upcoming tour, which by the time this airs, I think the North American dates will have been released. Uh, so okay. which we can definitely talk about that in three nights at the Hollywood Bowl, right. which is amazing. Uh, That's but, about the only bit of the dates that I know. <laughs> yeah, me too. <clears throat> because, I think it's September. I was just talking to Alex. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. Very, very excited. Have you played the Hollywood Bowl before? I don't remember if you guys have played there. Yeah, we have. We yeah. played there on the last tour, but and we played just one night. Okay. It was, an, it, I'd never, we'd never played it. Well, we had actually, I'd done, we'd done something there before. I think it was for some awards show. Was it was it the whole band or was it just me and John? I, I can't remember. Long, long, long time ago, it was an awards thing, and our senior hall was oh, the sure, um, sure. was the was the compare okay, for the okay. night. Um, so I don't know what that was, but um, but this time, last time we played, there's this kind of wall that goes around the orchestra pit, which separates the orchestra pit from the the auditorium, sure. the crowd, yeah, and. Um, I went, I walked all the way around that wall um, in a song called What Are the Chances, which is off our last album. Yeah, amazing. It's such a great venue. It's an amazing venue. By the way, do you like being on this side of the camera? Because I know that you have your own radio show too. So talk about a little uh, bit about the radio show. You're discovering music. I love the story that I think it was your daughter that said to you, by the way, Dad, you need to get more into music. Well, I'll let me tell you the story. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you the story. Yeah. Please. So this is kind of, we'll go back to around the beginning of um, the pandemic. So early 20, uh, 2020. And um, we'd been sort of a couple of weeks in and we'd, we'd been locked down. People were wondering what they're going to do with their lives, you know. And we knew it was going to, we were going to be in that state with that condition for a while. We knew the situation was going to last. Um, and I came down one morning and... Um, my daughter was listening to BBC Radio Six, which is um, which is really like an alternative uh, music show. Um, the DJs on there, people like Lauren Laverne and um, Tom Ravenscroft, for example, um, they pick the music they like to listen to. And she's listening to this stuff. And I come down in the morning and I went, oh, you know what? I, I want to have my breakfast with Radio Four. Oh, now, Radio 4 is this kind of news and current affairs talk show. It's like the oldest, most kind of starchy uh, BBC radio station. And, and Tallulah, my young, our youngest daughter, goes, Ah, oh, Dad, call yourself a musician. You don't even like music, <laughs> especially new music. And I thought, well, actually, Tallulah. And I thought, hang on. She's, she's got a point, actually. She's got a point. And I thought, you know, when you, you know, as, a, as an artist, you do, you spend all this time surrounding yourself with your own music uh, in the studio. You're working on it. You come out of this after being in, the, in there for, <clears throat> you know, eight hours if you're Nick, three, three quarters of an hour if you're me. <laughs> and, um, and, and, you, and the taxi's there and you get in a taxi and the driver goes to you, what channel do you want to listen to? And you go, you know what? Should we um, like have a little bit of quiet? I've been I've been surrounded by music for the entire working day, um, and he goes and 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 that and it begins like that and it ends up kind of with you only listening to the music you're working on currently, 
and the stuff that got you into a band in the first place. Mm. And and it, and I realised that's happened to me. So I you know I, I yeah I was listening to the Bowie and the Doors and Patti Smith and Lou Reed and then a bit of 90s music, you know, Happy Mondays and things that have caught my attention along the way, but not really a lot else. Yeah. Um, and uh, about the same time, and, 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 it, and it worried me. It worried me. And about the same time, I did um, a lockdown radio thing for um, Leonard, Miles Leonard, who used to be, used to work with us. He had this 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 um, <clears throat> lockdown radio thing going, and I chose six tra six tracks for it, and I, I chose some really good tracks. Things like um, "She Sells Sanctuary," great, you know, yeah, um, like "Apparently Nothing" by the Young Disciples. It was a really great playlist, yeah. and um, and Nick Wood, who's part of Sin Records in Tokyo. He said, can we do like a playlist for Sin, you know, a lockdown playlist? And I started doing it. And um, and after a while, I said, Tallulah, can you help me kind of look at some newer artists? I'm putting all these old, you know, these old geezers on. What about, what about new stuff? And she said, okay. And she gave me a little playlist with about 30 artists on, you know, Thundercat yeah. and um, Dry Cleaning and um, Car Seat Headrest. Yeah. And I went, wow, this stuff is great. And once you're, you're using a, a tool, either like, like SoundCloud or Spotify um, or, I, or whatever it is, Pandora, you start to, if you, if you allow the algorithms to work, if you you can you can actually go down little rabbit holes. So I and I would go I would I would like one thing and then I'd go to sort of okay so I go to car seat headrest radio and I check out the tracks on that and I'd find another artist and I'd go to that I'd go to you know that sort of genre and you and you and you can really make your own path almost like a like a pachinko ball falling <laughs> down. The path's never going to be the yeah. same t two times round. And you find so much interesting music, and I and I and I I started making these really good playlists for Sin, and then Wendy said to me, "You need to be doing this for Duran Duran." Yeah. So we started doing it for the Duran Duran website, and and it's taken off. You know, it, it's Whoosh Radio, it's on Sirius XM Volume Channel One Hundred Six, <laughs> and um, but even I, the discovery process now, right? Like when we were growing up, it was all just obviously we'll talk about MTV and your history, yeah. but. But the discovery process, you were saying, you can fall down these rabbit holes and dark holes. And it's so exciting. It's so, so, it's so exciting. And I mean, it's like, I, I you know, I, I don't really, I never really played much video games, but I used to play Tomb Raider back in the 90s. Sure. And I'd end up like at four o'clock in the morning, you know, sort of trying to trying to pick up a some token that's down a hole without getting my head chopped off by this scything axe or something. Yeah. And it and I'd be there and I'd do it again and again and again. And I get tingles when I finally did it. Um, and I find that the same things happening to me now with music. I'll sort of I'll I'll have the headphones on and I'll have been going down and checking out all this stuff and ending up on some kind of Ethiopian jazz artist, <laughs> you know? Yeah. At four o'clock in the morning, and I'm listening to this stuff, and the, and the hairs are coming up on the back of my hands and the back of my neck. It's amazing. But I would love to know Simon Levon's favorite new artist because obviously there are so many artists that are great now yeah. that are coming out. So oh, who so are the artists difficult. that you? I mean, I know I think I heard you mention Wolf Alice at some point. Well, Wolf Alice, said, Wolf Alice have been going for a while. They, um, I played their track. Um, something like play your greatest hits i think it's called that's a really good one i just gave a i went uh, last week in uh, london i i gave um i went to the enemy awards and i presented a band called bring me the horizon sure with um with the best uk band award um i really there's so many I, it's very hard to pick one i love dry cleaning yeah i'm a Great big album. fan of dry cleaning i like warm douche i like um I, I like uh, oh, names. Names are just is falling falling out of my head right now. Um, By the way, we have some great new artists on your new record. So we'll, yes, we'll, get well let's talk too. about those, shall yeah, we? Well, well, I mean, well, okay. So I, I did. That's how I discovered Chai. Yeah. Which is uh, Chai for anybody who, who doesn't know is an all girl Japanese punk band, um, and we've got them on a track called More Joy. And and I found them looking for tracks. I was looking for tracks for for the radio show. And that's how I came across Chai. Similarly, um, Ivorian Doll, 
who's like a London rapper, sure. very much she's she's in this style of music called drill, yep. which has got a very bad reputation because it's associated with the kind of the, the London gangs, the, the drug gangs and everything. But there's more to it than that. It's not You can't write it off just because of that. It's actually a really interesting style of music that kind of you can trace back to Garage, uh, UK Garage, and then which you can trace back to Drum and Bass, which you can trace back to Jungle, you know? Yeah. And Hammerhead is such an incredible track, and we'll, we'll get is, into that too. It is, isn't it? And, so, and there's a lot of great artists on this record. But take me back for just a moment, because the show, we touched base just a bit on your history, how you grew up. And obviously, we we're just talking about the music you grew up around when you were a child. You were, yeah. you were in the choir. Well, I mean, I, first it was classical music. Yeah. First thing was classical music. Then it was, then it was She Loves You, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember coming into the kitchen. It must The year must have been, what whatever year that was, 64. So I'd be five six years old and hearing this track she loves you yeah 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 and it blew my mind and i thought wow that is different um and so i and i got introduced to, to pop music at that time and i always but i was always able to like classical music and and popular music and and what became rock music and soul music and yeah. reggae. I could like them all at the same time. You know, I didn't, it, I was, I, I never felt you had to narrow yourself down to one genre. Um, and that's actually something that I've carried through into the band. That's something that, you know, I, 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 I went to, I sang in a church choir, Mr. Turvey and the <laughs> most amazing choir master who, who really taught me to read music um, after, after, violin teacher flute teacher piano teacher had failed they'd all failed but mr turvey succeeded and um it was and i was able to bring that sort of sense of harmony that you get when you're in a choir it's a duran duran and it's and that and that's that's quite a big feature of of our sound is that there's the vocal harmonies um and that's based really based on european classical music mm. You know, at the same time, you know, I was crazy about the Doors. You know, and and their kind of take on on R and B. You know, their blues music. It's very different. And 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 I was able to. I heard stuff in their music that that was also that came from the sort of European, the Gregorian, um, sort of uh, culture, and. Uh, but I mean, it, it's there was. There's always been so much music. If it wasn't the Doors, it was Iggy Pop. If it wasn't Iggy Pop, it was David Bowie, Patti Smith. I was around through punk. You know, I was 18 when the Sex Pistols hit the scene. Yeah, and what a great time to to to, to be hitting yeah, your yeah. The, the time when you probably get most inspired by music. Um, and I used to I used to go up to um, to London with my mates, uh, Dave Smith. No, Dave, I used to go up to London with my mates, Dave Miles, Pete Johns, and the whole crew from Pinner where I grew up. We used to get on the train and we used to go through Harold on the Hill, which is the home of the Teddy Boys. Now, Teddy Boys hated punks. Mm. Teddy Boys were these kind of like 50s rockers with slick back hair. Sure. They used to wear drape jackets and, and drainpipe jeans with brothel creepers. And I think they hated punks because punks had, had pinched some of the, some of the uh, clothing and the imagery and, and, and kind of and made it their own and also they were the teenage movement of the day and the teddy boys wanted to be the teenage movement even though most of them were in the 30s so were you dressed as like a teddy i was a punk oh, no a punk. i was a okay. punk okay so i had a pierced i had a safety pin in my ear and um and 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 a, you know chains and we used to make our own clothes i got a t i got a red t-shirt and i sewed all these black zips inside it and then i cut the holes so i had all zips all over it you know very few people could afford the fashions from Boy and from you know Malcolm McLaren yeah. and Vivian Westwood, uh, Sex that was, and um, the whole World's End thing. And this is about seventy eight. This is 79. seven. No, no, this is 70, 76, 77. 76. Okay, seventy seven. Yeah. Punk was over by seventy eight in the UK. It would it, we'd already moved on to kind of po some something that was post punk by then, which was you know. So, um, we to, but it was such a great time to be a teenager. You know, we used to go up to London to the to Wardour Street, to the 
to the to the marquee uh, and to different clubs all over London. And ha we had to sleep out at night. We had to we had to go and find. I, I remember once we we found we slept in a boat in um, in Hyde Park on the Serpentine, the river, the kind of lake in the middle of Hyde Park. There was this there was this boat shed because you could used to be able to hire boats and row them around. You still can actually, and. Um, and, and and we we managed to push the door in and climb over the top and get into a boat and pull the tarpaulin over us and sleep there. Once I slept in um, in Euston Station, wow. you know that could be where your love of boats came in. Well, <laughs> no, I was into boats before that. That's into boats. That was, it was an amazing and amazing time. Incredible. So that's about so around seventy eight. A lot of people don't know actually the band formed about a year, two years right before. Yeah, you but joined. I wasn't in it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes, yes. You got and, that. Uh, right. And obviously, you know, about eighty or so, you end up joining the band. I love the story again. You show up with your I think leopard print mm -hmm. pants and a book of poems. Mm -hmm. and, well, uh, yeah, it was more than that. I, I mean, I'd 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 been in a band before Duran Duran. Sure, sure. I've been in two bands before yeah. Duran Duran. Um, one was called Bolo, spelled B-O-L-L-E-A-U-X. So it's the, and it was the punchline to a joke about bollocks. Yeah, you know. well, those tricky anyway, spellings. <laughs> about cake, gatto, gatto. Well, I want some of that gatto. Anyway, let's not go in there. Let's not go there. <laughs> but you met um, the guys at the Rum Runner. Right? So I met the guys at the Rum Runner. You know, I knew I could sing. Um, and I had lyrics. It wasn't poems. It was they were lyrics for for songs, even songs that hadn't been written. Yeah. Um, you know, even when I wrote when I wrote words for that, I had I had I've, there's still stuff that was kind of there that we never used, like under underneath the clock tower. Um, was really good actually. And but I, I turned up and I had the one thing they needed, which was words. I had lots of words. Um, the managers didn't like the way I sang and they tried to replace me, but the band said, no, he's our guy. We have, we're going to keep him. And it actually happened super quickly for you within like a year, year and a half, you had a deal. Right? Well, yeah, we, but I, I joined, I joined in May of 1980. We played our first show in July of the same year. Um, by the end of the year, we were talking to EMI and signing deals. Um, and we put our first single out in February of 81. So it's less than a year for me, for me, um, for me um, joining, joining the band and having, having a record in the top 40. Subsequently, I think six months later on my birthday, August 1st, MTV is born. Yeah. And it changes everyone's lives. So yeah. that obviously had a huge impact on what happened with the band. You guys helped them tremendously. They helped you. It was a very synergistic relationship. So talk about now. I mean, obviously, we were talking about the discovery process, Simon, and how you discover artists now going down these rabbit holes. Back then, you must have thought, like I think everyone thought, 24 hours of music videos, who who are they going to play? Like, who wants to watch 24 hours of this, right? Or did you think this I, is amazing? I thought, wow, that is great. I mean, I just, because it, it was, it was, because it just didn't exist before that. Um and you know we at that time you could only you could name you could name like three or four music videos there was the one that that queen made for bohemian rhapsody there was the one that um that uh ultravox made for vienna there was the one that somebody way back did in the 1960s for a song called Eloise, and it had horses running along the beach. I mean, clips. They weren't called videos. Yeah. They were called yeah. film clips. Um, they were few and far between. And uh, it just made so much sense that you could just, you could program this stuff as in the same way that people listen to the radio. Definitely. You could put it, you could, you could, people could sit down and watch it. Also, Planet Earth, Girls on Film, the songs were so conducive to video. And yeah. you made so many groundbreaking videos and such an incredible time. When you look back on those years and you look back on MTV, like what, what does MTV mean to you now? You well, think I, mean, I think what it, mean, what, what it means to me is, 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 is it's in the same way as what, um, I, I guess, what radio meant as well. People would, people would wait for their favorite band's video to come on. Yeah. They'd spend hours in front of the television watching stuff they didn't really want to see <laughs> for that one time when their band was going to yeah. come on. You know, in the same way that I remember as a, as a teenager standing in Pinner Park on the day that Diamond Dogs went to radio. All oh, right. And they played at six o'clock on the dot, Radio 1, they played um, Rebel Rebel. Incredible. And we went, oh my God. 
God, it's amazing, you know. And those moments of focus that that radio used to do, it's the same for MTV. MTV could premiere videos and people would tune in at that time to watch them. So everybody was thinking the same thing. You had millions of people in some countries like this one actually waiting for that one moment. It's extraordinary. And you don't get it now. No, definitely not. And uh, and initially, you did want to make videos that were almost like banned because then people just going back to the old punk rock days, right? Right. If something was banned, obviously it could well, be more it, desirable. It's, of course, I'm. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Girls on film was 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 just not. There was a there was a night. There was a polite version, yeah. and 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 a slightly more raunchy one, um, which was only on in video bars. There was this thing called Rock America. Do you remember video jukeboxes? I don't, but I and they I, were in clubs. Yeah, yeah. They were in clubs like like Spit Long Island and the Nitro in Detroit and all these different um, these clubs. They they people put money into the jukebox and it would get and the video would get shown on the screen. And the girls on film, the girls on film X rated version with girls pillow fighting on a greasy pole and a and a and a you know all kinds of you know nipples and ice cubes. That was the number one played video well into the 1990s Incredible. and possibly into in, in, as, as long as it went on. Amazing. Well, you've always been so forward thinking, obviously, with everything the band has done. And let's get into the new record, obviously. Okay. Incredible yeah. new record, yeah. Future Past. Uh, you work with incredible... Our, obviously, Graham Coxon from Blurs on yeah. the record. Well, let's 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 get and kind of get him. I mean, the first person we should really talk about is Errol Alcan, yeah. the producer. The producer He's yeah. the main producer on the record, um, and he comes from the from the UK dance scene. It was actually, um, I think, Mark Ronson was the one who kind of was the first person who mentioned his name, saying you guys should have a look at him, um, and someone else, Karen Rutner, who was um, working with. Uh, Magus Entertainment at the time she knew him and said yeah I, I think we could put you guys together and we all got to meet him he's just lovely and his music he's he's got a he's got a real feel for you know what what kids groove to on the dance floor and that's that, that we, we we you know we always want to have dance floor music because we just want to be part of that scene we want to we want to be part of of, of people's parties of people having a great time you know well, you know what do you put on when you're at a party put on Duran Duran because they're great to dance to yeah. and have a good time to um yeah mostly work with he's done like remixes for Tame Impala yeah, and yeah, artists like exactly. that I think Interpol and some of those other yeah bands, so. I mean he's and, and um LA Priest He's done. He's he's done a lot of work. Anyway, we got on with him, and he's the guy who brought in Graham Coxon, the guitarist from Blur. Graham brought this extraordinary um, sense of edgy alternative guitar. Mm. You know, he never wants to play anything that anybody's played before. He wants it to sound just different. It's his thing, and that works so well with us. He raised the, the game. Because you've actually had Warren Cucurillo. Yeah, and yeah, Taylor who are great. We, yeah, uh, Warren is a players. fantastic guitarist before yeah. him, Andy Taylor. I mean, and, you know, and, and well, Andy came back in the, in the 2000s. Um, but Graham brought something different to this. Yeah, he's, he's, he's innovative. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's the, well, it's the first time since we worked with Andy and, uh, and, and Warren that we worked with a truly innovative guitarist um, in terms of at the writing stage. And it made such a difference to the way things sound and the, and, and, and the way we worked because we realized that, you know, he's playing guitar riffs that are that good. Then that means my melody lines have to be as good and everything has to come up to that level. It was a re real part of what made the record great. And then after that, we, we, we had, you know, in, in the back of our minds, we knew it was going to happen. We had this job with Giorgio Moroder. Who we've the been the Godfather of Disco. Well, the Godfather of Disco, who you know, who it, it, it's no coincidence that the first song I ever sang with Duran Duran when I went on stage with them in in July of 1980 was "I Feel Love." It wasn't a Duran Duran song. It was a it was a Donna Summer and Giorgio Moroder song that I sang, Kim. and um, and so it, it it had been a long time coming, but boy, was it worth waiting for. You know, Giorgio said he said I I, I don't really want to work with bands. Too difficult, <laughs> and um, we were so easy. We went in, he was in charge. We just we all agreed, whatever Giorgio says, we just go with it. He's the hit maker, 
And when he shows up to the studio. I mean, Niall, no, Niall, you're the hit maker. <laughs> yeah. But uh, what I meant was Niall, when we were in the studio with Georgia, he was the hit maker. <laughs> and we'll talk, I mean, you work with so many great producers, yeah. obviously Mark Ronson. Well, let's, um, we have, let's go through let's go through the other people on this record we've worked with. Yeah, I, but I don't want to. I was going to say 2018 or so, you start working on the record, yeah. right? And so initially, this is pre-lockdown. Yeah. And how far along did you get on this record before everything happened? Was it really, you, were you far along in the process? Um... Well, you know, we were quite slow, but we thought we'd have it finished um, for summer 2020. Yes, we 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 done. We thought we'd done about three quarters of the album. It turns out, um, it turns out we'd only really done half the album, and it's a big difference um, because we the work that we did after the hiatus, we did eat as much work in four months as we'd done in, in the preceding 15 months because there was an urgency. And also, I, I, I've got an analogy, really, and it's like it's as though before, before the pandemic, it was like driving along at night with the headlights on and there's no streetlights and all you can see is that little bit of road in front of you and, and, the, and the trees on either side, but, and you just have to trust you're going the right way. As lockdown and, and, and the pandemic occurred, it's almost as though when we came back from that, the day had broken and you could see the road in front of you and you could see what's at the side of the road, but you could also see way in the distance as well and you could see where the road was going. Mm. And that's the difference. And we, we, it was so easy. And, and that's when really when all the, all the collaborations started to happen. You know, well, Mike Garson happened before. Bowie, Mike yeah. is Mike Mike Garson, who's Bowie's pianist. You know it from Aladdin saying that did linking and all that wonderful kind of classical jazz, mm. jazz classical piano that is so unique and it's absolutely unique to um, Mike Garson. Uh, we wanted a bit of that on the record, and Mike was really up for working with us. Um, so we did, we've done some things for him, and he's done the, the, the great track Falling for, for Duran Duran. Yeah, I, I want to talk about that, but I was going to say, having yeah. about a year perspective on this record, it must have made you come back to the record with fresh ears. Well, fresh ears and fresh everything, fresh energy. Yeah, you know, um, you knew we just in that time you kind of we didn't I, I didn't spend a lot of time listening to listening to it, but I think the wheels were going around in the back of my head, mm. and I think they were for everybody in the band. And it was just it seemed so simple when we came back. It, we just knew what everything needed. We knew what which things needed to be speeded up. We knew which things needed to have a, a, a key change, you know, which needed to be transposed. We knew which things we could dump, and we dumped whole sections of songs and wrote whole new sections and got artists in. So then we got, you know, we got um, Chai and Ivorian Doll, who we've already talked mm. about. But we got um, Tuvalo. She came back and she and she she said, oh, well, "The one I'd like to work on is is give it all up." And I thought, "Oh no, I love that song, and I think it's done. I don't really want to share the vocals on that song with anybody." And Nick goes, "Well, come on, Charlie." He goes, "Come, maybe you can, maybe we can get in touch with her and um, persuade her to <laughs> sing on a different song." And I said, "Yeah, I, I think that's not realistic, Nick, because once you know, once an art, once you've said you'll you'll do a collaboration, which is tricky enough in the first place, and um, and you've chosen a song, if if the art, if that artist comes back to you and says, well, actually, we'd really like you to do this one.'" You'd kind of, if it was me, I'd go, well, you know what, um, next time, but this, but I'm not going to, I know which one I like, I know which one I'd feel good about singing on. So we actually sent the song to her and we said, Leo, well, let's see what she does. Let's see if it's, if it's, if it's any good, if it really, if it really makes the song better, or if we're just using it to put somebody's name on the album. And boy, did she impress us with what she sang and the way she approached it. Um, it was something I hadn't imagined. Her, her approach to the song, you know, I mean, I suppose I live in this, this, this egotistical world where I think what I do is brilliant and fantastic and the only possible melody for anything. And it's not. It really isn't. And she came up with a very different take on it all. And it was plain as day that she had to be on the record um 
she was singing one of the verses that I'd written, which was my favorite verse. And we knew that we had to use that. And, and I thought, well, if she does that bit, then I'm not going to get to sing it at all. <laughs> so I had to write a whole nother verse so that I could get to sing that melody. But it came out great, by the way. Yeah. And it's one of the best songs on the album. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's a strong album. The whole record is incredible. Lyrically, yeah. it's incredible. I mean, your daughter is on the record, which is the first, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. I mean, her vocals. So we, I mean, the, the way you really notice her is on the Giorgio Moroder track, um, Beautiful Lies. Though that very pure, high, just tuneful voice that beautiful lies, that's her. Hmm. It's so, I mean, it's weird because Josh um, Blair, who's our engineer and very important to us. I mean, he's... Um, He's very important part of it. He's been a very important part of our career for the last 14, 15 years. Um, he, he said, he said, he said, it's actually, he says, they call me Charlie. You know that. Yeah. He goes, Charlie, it's, um, it's like recording, um, like a, a better version of you, someone with a clearer, <laughs> more tuneful voice. Who's, um, who can, who's got a huge, a bigger range than you. And I thought, thanks. But knowing what you know now, would you encourage her to stay in the business, to get in the business, or would you? Obviously, such an incredible career that you've had. Well, Scott, she is a trained singer. Yeah, so. she did. She did. She's she has a, a degree in in jazz vocals. So you would encourage her to. I get would in the definitely encourage her. Yeah. But she's also a mother. She's right, the, right. she's the mother to two little boys yeah. who are. Well, to, she's the mother to two little grandchildren. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> By the way, so when Giorgio showed up, I, I another great story I heard. He just shows up with like a suitcase, right? And he opens yeah, it but it's not a very big suitcase. Yeah, right. In the suitcase is a is a tiny little keyboard, <laughs> this and he and he and he does the whole he does all of his bits with that. I mean, he's you know he's the king of sequence, isn't right, he? Right, right, so, sure. And he does that, but he also he also um, you know he guides the music. There's one bit on Beautiful Lies when I sang something, um, I, a harmony actually. And I came out of the, the vocal booth and he goes, no, 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 Simon, no, you're, you can't sing this. This is, this is, you're singing a major third over a minor chord. I said, Giorgio, I'm in Duran Duran. We've made a career out of putting major thirds over minor chords. And he goes, not on one of my records. Um, and at which point I thought, I went, Okay, Georgia, you're the boss. Well, I was going to say, when you work with him, though, Simon, you've worked with so many incredible producers. We touched base on it. Obviously, mm. Mark Ronson, Nile Rogers, Yeah, Nile, like Alex Sadkin. Yeah. You how, know? How did the process differ on this record? Obviously, you guys all got in a room at some point, and like you normally do, right? And played versus sending during COVID, everybody was sending Zoom files back and forth. And, you know, I love the fact that you got in a room and just, you know, you kind of. I think I was listening to John saying you just put down a metronome or there was just a tempo and the process started with a tempo and that's how some of the songs would actually emanate for you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's with that one of the, one of the principles of, of the Duran Duran writing session is that nobody really does any homework. Mm. Nobody comes up with any ideas on their own and brings them in and says, right, I've come up with this. We need to really mainly because mainly for the reason that we're all really lazy and we actually nobody can be asked to 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 to, to come up with any ideas and it's only when we get into a room together we think okay now let's do our job but it works very well for us because you come in with a completely empty a clean slate a completely empty mm. head it means that you're able to focus on the bits of the music that are really good rather than thinking oh no this is this bit this bit that I wrote, I really like it the way it is. I don't want anybody to change it or thinking, but what about this bit I've done? You know, you actually allow yourself to be a servant of the music itself. Sure. Um, and that way you can be inspired. Mm. You can be spontaneous and you can, and, and you have ownership of it. And even if, even if you're playing the drums, and that's important to us. You know, it's an important part of, of the way we are as a business. We split everything Which is so equally yeah. four ways yep. between the, you know, me, John, Nick and Roger. One of the reasons you're still together and you get along great on top Absolutely. of it. Absolutely. So. There's no, they, yeah. that nobody's earning any more than anybody else is out of this band. Yeah. 
Um, it's an important, it, it really is, it's really the probably the most important yeah. reason, most important reason that we are still together, to be honest with you. Talk a little bit about the video, by the way, because the video was done by Huxley, artificial right. intelligence, right. Uh, an incredible I didn't, video. I, didn't, I mean, you know, n nobody in the band really had a lot to do with it. Nick um, had the whole thing explained to him, um, but it really was, an, you know, an artificial intelligence in inverted commas, that made that thing. So no one fits um, for that because when I watch the video, obviously there's video of all of you, but it's yeah, but just it's, done but with it's, pictures. It's actually created by the um, by the AI. He sort of he he had to learn how our mouths moved. Fascinating. It, I say he. Yeah. <laughs> um, it had to learn. So we 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 did we did like vocal movements and and we talked and we spoke the words of, of the song. Mm. Um, and, and that was, that was, um, put it, that was an input into, into the, into the program and Huxley did its thing. It also took photographs of us from our whole career, photographs from our videos, photographs of the world that we kind of inhabit really whether it's video reality you know what's on the news sure. part of the time um it's very unpredictable huxley does not necessarily <coughs> come up with anything that you think it is um and it also it also gets obsessed a little bit there was one point at which it just it just wanted to put dogs <laughs> it just wanted dogs in the video that would have been great and it got crazy it just went <laughs> really into dogs and they had to they had to sort of like slightly rewrite part of the algorithm amazing there's even music now that's created strictly by artificial intelligence there was one based on like what nirvana would sound like now wow i don't know if you've actually heard it it was, it was no, pretty no, awful but uh i don't want right. to listen to music that made yeah, by... the thing is scott i mean and it's it's terrible to say this but one day it's going to be really good yeah I'm sure. one day somebody's sure. some, one of these machines will come up with something which is absolutely brilliant and you're going to think could could any human have done that definitely definitely um and th that is and that's a very frightening development and but it but it is it it's it's the way things are going technology is developing you can't hold it back you can it's like the sea and yeah. king canute no matter if you don't if you don't want it, it doesn't matter how much you don't want it to happen it's happening definitely. so it's we felt we have always felt it's better to kind of look into it and see how see the good things about it and try and find the the things that suit us uh, as artists you've always been the band that's embraced technology more than maybe yeah. any other band but one other song i wanted to get into on the record wing with mark ronson right and uh, such a great track and also another thing i was you know music now it's so timely with what's going on in this world and right. obviously we're living through a heartbreaking time with what's going on in the world mm -hmm. i mean did it take on new meaning now that you revisit it you know a few months later with everything um that... well it is a song about jealousy yeah and about obsession and about trying to free yourself from the prison that is jealousy the way that it, it it kind of it's a it's a kind of poison that 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 displaces love mm. i think that's what jealousy is um but you have but you can fight it and you can release yourself from it but you have to it, it's not easy um so it, it's a very, very personal song. You know, it's, it, and I know that, you know, I've, I've, I've been in that situation of, of absolute obsessive jealousy. It's, it, it, it's horrible. And I, and I know what it feels like. And so I, I don't think, I don't know how I could, I, I don't know how we'd be able to compare it to, well, the awful, situation that's happening in eastern europe now um but so many of the songs because some of them reference covid and again a lot well, of them, yes you know, there, you know, there is there there's is deeper meetings to a lot of yeah. them lyrically um, yeah i mean they're, they're very much i think we've always reflected the world though we've always reflected the world we're in i mean the, funny enough that the the one which almost would seem the most relevant um which would be invisible. I was going to say invisible. That's the one I was. Invisible to to. was the first track we wrote. Yeah, and it was before the whole pandemic. We I'd written the the lyric before the pandemic started. It was really more about um, protest. It was about about how there was. A, it felt to me as though the culture had been going in this way 
where individual feelings and opinions were being ignored by the big people in politics and in the world because they because of their egos and 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 that we would and and the 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 the, the individual the, the 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 little man the public was being ignored but if the public actually get together and make their voices heard it suddenly drowns out all of these little big men mm. you know yeah takes on a whole nother meaning for sure um big little men whatever they are. <laughs> yeah and the world is full of these people who want to want to want to do these these individuals right now you've got all these all these people who are trying to impose their will upon a population it's 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 awful yeah it's just awful i did see that you were doing a lot of good for the people of ukraine well we're trying yeah. i mean we're trying it's not a, it's you know we, we're just trying to help the people who've been displaced you know the um, the women and the children um the people who've been wounded you know they need food they need clothing um we're not going to get into sending them weapons um so but you do your part but however we, you can. But we will support um, the refugees, definitely. Definitely. Well, let's talk a little bit about the tour, because by the time this comes out, obviously, you haven't been able to come here with what's been going on for this record. You always yeah. tour America. Yeah. So it's exciting. Are you yeah. looking forward to the tour? I'm looking forward to it very much, Scott. Yeah. I think the tour is going to be amazing. Um, it's it's a nice looking it's a nice looking tour at the moment. It's not too big. Um, we we're, we're playing sort of you know grand spaces and obviously the hollywood bowl which we spoke yeah about, well so. three we got three nights at the hollywood bowl in september do you, got madison square garden amazing do you have sort of a newfound appreciation for touring after what we've just all been going through the well last i've year? always loved it yeah i've never not loved touring i've never i've never gone oh god this is boring <laughs> um i've even even at the end of a you know we used to do tours that were two years long we used to you know we used to go out and come back two years later older but no wiser <laughs> right. you know it's awful it just yeah. touring eats your life up yeah, like definitely. nothing else i've ever come yeah. across but that it's because you, you because you there's something about getting on stage and playing your music to a crowd of people who want to hear it that is not like anything else that one can do as a human being um i'm not saying it's better I'm not saying it's better than sex. I'm saying it's different. But if you, if you, you know, if you, if you, if you do go out and perform to an audience, you know what I'm talking about. It's completely unique. There's nothing else like it. And once you've done it, you really don't ever want to stop doing it. I was going to say, you have so many incredible hits and such an amazing catalog. Is it hard to pick the set list? You got the new record, so obviously you want to play three to five songs. Yeah, I mean, there's, you, you kind of got, you've got. You've got to you got to balance things out because on the one hand you really want to play as much of your new stuff as you can, but then you know that there's people in that audience who we're going to be playing to who want to hear Rio, they want to hear Ordinary World, they want to hear Hungry Like the Wolf, they want to hear Come Undone, they want to hear Paper Gods. I mean, it goes on and yeah. on, and it's actually finding it's actually it's it's getting the right balance. We kind of work with a a general principle that. If you, you can just you can probably do one third of new music well you don't have 10 hits you, you have 30 hits so it's also hard to well that's it. that's the thing that's then it. there's choosing the ones that choosing the, the songs and if you know of course we we want to play rio and, and of course <laughs> the crowd wants to hear right. rio but then what about union the snake or um or something i should know you know they they, they are hits as well yeah. and it's very easy to overlook them. I mean, it's you, you, one is tempted to say the the lesser hits, but that's kind of an oxymoron, isn't it? I mean, they are hits. <laughs> yeah. But it is the 40th anniversary of Rio. So yeah. when you think back on it, is there ever a time where you play that record in full, do you think, from start to finish? Um, it has been suggested. Yeah. Um, uh, I've been to, I saw the Bowie, the Bowie um, one where he played all of, oh, which record was it? Whichever one he played all of. Um, I think it was great. But then he played that first and then he played his new stuff after. Right, that makes sense. And, and it, yeah, I know. But you, you, honestly, the new stuff after 
Ziggy Stardust, <laughs> Ziggy Stardust, and then the new stuff. I mean, right, right. you know, Spiders I remember all the names of the songs in Ziggy Stardust. <laughs> I don't really remember the rest of it. <laughs> and let's talk, uh, uh, last but not least, I'm in obviously the NFT collection. Right. Uh, there's just so yeah. much to get into with you. So yeah. I, honestly, I wish I had three hours. But the NFT collection, talk about that for a moment, okay. based on Huxley 2 and right. planting a tree. And right. So the thing is, the thing about NFTs, and it's it's been noticed um, by the by the by the world that NFTs are not necessarily friendly to the planet mm. because um, you know, like like the whole blockchain thing, they use a lot of power, you know, computing power, which means energy, which means somebody's got to either you know run a treadmill or get a wind turbine up there or um, a bit of hydroelectric power or burn coal or make it or, or oil or gas or have a nuclear reactor to create this power so there's this there's this question of how of you know how friendly these nfts really are um we've been working i think ours are th through a company called global well, I was going to say the um, idea is really to plant a tree in New well, Zealand. Yeah, for... but there's also but this is the, the this is a this is a much lower energy form of NFTs. It doesn't use the same kind of computing power, um, and also we've got these um, for every NFT. Um, there's some children uh, in New Zealand who are going to plant um, indigenous trees in trees indigenous to New Zealand in a forest. So, as well as being this kind of, you know, conceptual art cotton thing. There's also a, a physical planting, a, you know, a sort of a helping of life in the planet. I didn't, I didn't put that very well at all. Well, I? it does some good, right? It's not just all. It does some good. It does some good for the, for the environment and for the world, and we all need that right about now. Yeah. Obviously, congrats on a fantastic record, Future Past. Came out in October. Uh, listen, next time I would do this for three hours because I could talk to you all day. How, how long uh, have we done? <laughs> I think we've done great. It, it's been three hours, hasn't it? <laughs> but I know uh, it LA, feels like it. <laughs> I know. By the way, last but not least, I was going to say LA must hold a very special place for you because yeah. K Rock, you know, back K -Rock. in the day. I mean, yeah, we we went. You know, the, I remember, remember the, the Tower Records, Licorice Pizza. Yeah, you know that was yeah. that's LA, wasn't it? Yeah. So I, I'm excited to see you here, and uh, definitely will. Looking forward to the Hollywood Bowl shows. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Thanks for coming on. I you really know, appreciate it. Just want to say that Duran Duran loves this country and especially LA. Awesome. Well, we love you. So Thank thanks you. for coming on. Appreciate it. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Well, that was a whole lot of fun. Mr. Simon LeBond, Duran Duran, such a pleasure having him here in person. Crazy times. I hope you're all staying safe. Thinking about you all, my heart goes out again to all the people in Ukraine. Hope you're all doing okay in this crazy, crazy time we're living through. Um, and by the way, the show is free. So if you like the show, please make sure you rate and review the show. Tell a few friends. It's really important to us on iTunes. It's how we get the word out there. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, all social media, at Scott Lips. Send us a message who you want to see on the show coming up. We really appreciate it. We have a lot of exciting guests coming up for you soon, so I think you'll all be really happy with who we have coming up. And last but not least, I am on Cameo. So if you want to check me out, go to Cameo, check me out, and I will wish you a personal message for whatever you need. So thanks for tuning in, and see you real soon. Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find the ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.